Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you, even the ladies. Somebody was telling me before church started, said, you know, when Dad was on the road working, I had to be Dad while he was gone. So we've all been dads at some point or another, haven't we? Just like at some point we've all been mothers. I appreciate each and every one of you and the wonderful work that you are doing among your families to advance the kingdom of God and to make sure that our children are not lost to this world, but that they are gained to heaven. Amen. I don't think there's any greater joy than to know that every one of our children are saved, they're satisfied in Jesus, and whenever their time comes, or if the rapture takes place first, we're all going to meet together in heaven and be there together for eternity. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? Amen. It's the greatest joy that we can have, and the greatest goal that we can set as parents is to make sure that our children know Jesus. And are encouraged by him. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed breakfast this morning. Did you? All right. Good job. I'm, I, I would say thank you to Nita and Becca and to Tiffany, but I don't think they're even in the house right now. I think they're probably cleaning up the mess that we made back there. Uh, but boy, it was good, wasn't it? I'm glad you were able to come. Now, while I was back there, someone shared a... Uh, dad joke with me and I'd like for Mr. Matt if he would to just stand up right where he is and share his dad joke with us this morning. Go ahead Matt the floor is yours. I don't know where youth pastors come up with this stuff, do you? I don't know if he wrote that on his own or what. But anyway, there's all kinds of crazy jokes like that. Like, did you know that there were cigarettes in the Bible? Abraham lit off his camel, right? You know that one? I won't go any further because it can get really bad really quick. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here today, glad you're in the house of the Lord. What, we have one pew that is completely full today, and this belongs to Kathy Cash and her family. I, I noticed that they moved back a row, and she said the reason we moved back a row is because the, the row, in, we were full. We needed, we needed a whole row, and so I'm thankful that they've done that today and packed their pew and uh, it's great to have your family with us today. We're, we're glad. And if you have your family with you this morning, we thank each of you for being here today as we celebrate this lovely day. I hope you have great plans today with your family. I know that our family has already made plans to go to a restaurant today after church is over, even though we just had biscuits in the back. Uh, we, we believe that you can eat more than one time in a day. And so we're going to go out after, uh, after church. I won't tell you where we're going because if I do, you'll want to go there too. And then I'll have to sit and wait for my food to arrive. But it's a good place to go on Sundays. You can normally get right in. But if I shared that information with you, I know you well enough to know the whole church would go there. And it would take all afternoon for me to get fed. I'm just kidding. But we are going to spend some time together. And what a joy it will be. We had camp meeting this week in, um, in Lexington. I was able to go some. I wasn't able to be there all week. Uh, but my, it was just one of those old um, outpouring ministries that took place. I mean, altar calls that took place. One, one particular service lasted over three and a half hours. And uh, that most of that time was spent praying for one another in the altar and believing God for the miraculous. And it was, it was a powerful time. And even if I couldn't be there in person at times, I was able to watch it on live stream. And it just brought back so many wonderful memories 
of what God has done in our lives through the years. And I'm glad that God's not finished working, right? I'm glad that He's still working in us. So it's good to see you all here this morning, and I thank you for coming and visiting with us. If you're here, I see some faces today that you're back from vacation. Uh, some of you were in Florida and watching on live stream and uh, pretty faithful to that, and I'm thankful for that, but it's good to have you back in the house of the Lord today, and we can start seeing everybody be here more frequently, so wonderful. Uh, just let me mention real quick, and then I'm going to share a, a message with you this morning. As is always the case, summertime tends to affect the finances of the church from time to time because you have people that are gone, they're out of town, it's easy for it to slip and, and we forget that the church must go on and the ministries must go on. We don't usually take a lot of time out of our services to talk about finances, uh, but let me remind you that the only way the church exists financially is through the contributions of its membership. And so if you've been faithful in tithing, I thank you for that. If you maybe have let it slip once or twice, why don't you go back and make a check and, and make sure that you're caught up. And uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not being negative when I say this. I'm just saying that, that we need to move forward. I, I, talk, I, I saw one church this week that, that were starting to do fundraisers, not one of our churches, it's a Baptist church starting to do fundraises, selling things so that they could pay the mortgage and the light bill. Now listen, I don't believe that the church should have to do that kind of thing because if we are givers and we are tithers and we bless the Lord with our finances, every need will be met all the time. Do you believe that this morning? So just as an encouragement, do a double check on that. Make sure that your tithing and your giving is up to date. And I know that God will always supply the need. He is our portion in the land of the living. Amen? Praise the Lord. Today I want to talk to you about, um, to the fathers in particular, on this idea of what gift will you bring? What gift will you bring? Let's ask the Lord to anoint His Word today and speak to us in a very special way. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here in the house of the Lord today. I'm so excited for what you're doing in our lives, and I'm thankful for every man that is in this house today. Whether they're a father or not, I appreciate them, and I'm glad for everything that they do to bring strength and, and leadership to our homes and our families. So I pray, Lord, that they will be particularly blessed and that they will give some thought today as to what their role in the family is or should be and what gift they might be able to bring and activate on behalf of their family. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name and we give you the glory for all that will be done today. Amen and amen. You know, through the years, my kids have uh, blessed me abundantly with gifts, different things that they have brought at certain times of the year, Christmas time, uh, and Father's Day in particular, birthday. Uh, I've got a couple of things in my office that Jonathan uh, made for me. Uh, one of them is a miniature. I think I've told you about that. He painted it, hand-painted it, and put it in a little glass uh, case and brought it to me and uh, I keep it in my office all the time and then uh, a few Christmases ago he he forgot to get anything to wrap my gift with and so at the last minute he made a box and he painted on it he drew on it freehand and uh, painted a picture on there and a little message and it, it's very special to me and I keep it on my desk in my office all the time and occasionally I look at that and I, and I just give thanks for the wonderful gifts that have been given. Erin has done the same thing. She went to, on a missions trip a few years ago to Ecuador and she brought me from Ecuador a wonderful little knife. It's a, it's a male opener, letter opener, and it's got an iguana sitting right up on top, handmade. It's really beautiful. It sits on my desk all the time. 
and uh, I look at it. And every time I open up that uh, a letter or a piece of mail, I'm reminded of that gift that was given. I have a coffee mug in my office that she brought uh, during a very difficult season of life with, uh, with our children. It, uh, the Lord brought us through, and at the conclusion, she brought me this uh, coffee mug that talked about our relationship and how, uh, how blessed that she was and that we are. And so I, I keep that in my office all the time to remind me that my children are special to me and that they love me and that I love them very much as well. But as I was thinking about all the gifts that my children have brought me, I began to wonder, what have I brought to their lives? You know, there, I, certainly I've given them gifts as well. But you know, the most important thing to me is to know that I have invested in their life in such a way that it will make an eternal difference for them. Because they, they can have all the stuff in the world, but if they don't have Jesus, then in my way of thinking, I have failed in the way that I have fathered them. Now, I'm thankful that both of my children and their families are serving the Lord, and, and I'm thankful for all that God has done in their lives. And there's so much that I've been able to bring to them, I think, but there's so much more that I think that I need to bring to them at this point in life. You remember I told you that we're always coming from someplace and we're going to someplace. We're always coming from something and going to something new. And I've discovered that at this point in my life, there are things that I can no longer do because I'm getting older. But there are things that I can do and I should do as an older father. And I'm not all that old, but I'm getting older. And there are things that, that I have to do that are different than I did when I was a young father. And so it's important for us to always be changing in our approach to our family. So as I was thinking about this week, I was just thinking, and, and I'd like for Jared to put a slide up for me right now if he would. Uh, this was written by Billy Graham. I can't take credit for it, but I saw it on Facebook this week. My wife actually is the one who posted it on there. And I want to read it to you as I begin the message this morning. It says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Would you not agree with that? We live in a world that is trying to take the power and the authority away from men, whether you're a father or not. It's not popular these days to be a manly man. But listen, I want to remind you that God did not cause you, called you or create you to be a sissy man. He, he has not called you to be one of those kind of guys that would be, rather be a woman. He didn't create you that way. He created you to be a man's man. He created you to bring something to the table that the women cannot bring. Let's let the women be the sissies. Amen? Let, let's let them wear the dresses in the house. Let's let them put the makeup on. Let's let them do what women can do that men cannot do. Are you, are you tracking with me today? And men, let's decide that regardless of what the world says today, God has called us to be men. He has called us to be a man's man. So take your skirts off and put your pants back on and let's be men. Amen? Come on. Let's do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody today. I'm just saying, men, God needs us to be men. Amen? And so there are certain things that we need to do as men that will positively affect our families. So as I was thinking about it, I thought about four fathers in Scripture that each brought a different gift to their family. And I want to share with you what those gifts and those people were. The first 
is Abraham. Give me a little monitor, if you will, Bill, up there. I would appreciate it. Abraham. Now, when you think about Abraham, you think about a man of faith, don't you? You think about a father of many nations who led with faith. Now, faith is an attribute that takes us from where we are to where we need to be. I told you last week that when God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life, you have to be willing to set down and put aside what used to be valuable to you and to pick up and acknowledge the new thing that, is God, that God is doing in your life that will enable you to be blessed by something new and allow it to be more valuable than what you had in the past. Now, as my role as a father and a grandfather now, it is important that I lead by faith. I need to be able to show my kids and their spouses and their, their kids, the grandkids, I need to be able to say to them that when it looks like that everything around us is impossible and we don't know what's going to happen next, that if God is on our side, then there's nothing impossible and nothing too hard for us. But we have to be willing to go by faith. God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Your seed will be as the, sea, the, the, the sand of the seashore. Your seed will be scattered all around this world. And he had to move in that direction by faith. He said, I want you to leave where you are and go to a new place that I have for you. And the only way you can get to the new place is to leave the old place. And it takes faith to do that. How many of you know that we're creatures of habit? You know, I really am. I, it drives my wife crazy, but I'm just one of those guys that I've told you this before. If I could do the same thing the same way every day at the same time of the day, if, if I could get by with wearing the same clothes every day and them not smell bad, I would do it. I'm just a man of routine. I just kind of like to live that way, and it just drives her nuts because she's one of these fly-by-the-seat-of-the-britches kind of people that's whatever needs to happen now. If I've never done it before, I'm going to do it now because it'll be new. And everybody's different, right? We're all different in that way. But I'm just a guy routine. But God spoke to Abraham, and he said, I need you to move on from where you are. You're never going to accomplish what I have for you as long as you stay where you've always been. And you're never going to accomplish what I have in store for you until you're willing to trust me and say, Lord, if I need to move from this position, I'll move from this position. If I need for, to move from that situation, I will move from this situation. But don't get me wrong. I don't want you to get up and leave your wife or anything like that because that's not godly. I don't want you to do things that are crazy. But what I am saying is, is that if God has a new season for you, you will never fully in, in, inherit that season until you're willing to leave and set down what you have always done and where you've always been. Abraham was that kind of guy. He was willing to move from where he was to where he needed to go. He was a man of faith. Think about your own way of leadership. Fathers, let me ask you today, do you lead your family by faith? Are you willing to take some chances? Are you willing to say if God has this for us, then we need to follow what God's plan for our life is? Man, I'll tell you, when you're a pastor, and it's different today than it was back in the day when we were getting started, but back in the day, pastors used to change churches every two or three years. And so we'd go somewhere, and we'd be there for a little while, and I'd say to Donna, I think it's time for us to pack our bags, go somewhere else. I always blamed it on God. God's wanting me to move somewhere else. I look back on my life now sometimes and I think I should have stayed put. I should have stayed where I was. God was using us in that situation. But the culture of ministry in those days that pastors moved on about every two or three years. 
But my family, they were always willing to jump in the car and go wherever I was going. They never said to me, Dad, we're not going with you. They never said, Dad, you go if you want to. Well, Donna did say that one time. And they, they were talking about appointing us to a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. In fact, before we came to this church, they had told us, they said, we have a church in Charlotte, North Carolina that we want you to go to. Uh, since you're transitioning out of youth work, go down there, look it over, see how you feel about it. We drove down to Charlotte. We went by the church, drove by it, and Donna looked at me and she said, if you want to come down here and pastor, she said, knock yourself out, but I'm not coming down here. It's the only time that she said no. And on the way home from there, to, to go back to our home, they called and said, we have a church in Louisville, Kentucky that we'd like for you to consider. And, I, and it was this church. And the whole way, I'm saying, not a chance in the world. I'm not going. It ain't going to happen, God. I love you, and I'm probably, I'm okay with Louisville. I know it's a great city, but I'm not going. I know, and I've heard, and I am not up for it. I'm not going. Looked over at Donna. She's weeping and crying and saying, God has spoken. We are going to Louisville, Kentucky. This is the one. Within a day or two, she told me, no, I'm not going there. And when I told her I wasn't going to Louisville, she said, yes, you are, because that is where God wants us to be. So we are here today because of Donna Heinemann Baker, who said God is in this. But we make choices and decisions in life based on faith based on doing what we believe that God is calling us to do. And fathers, there are times that you will have to make hard and difficult decisions to lead your family. But listen, if God be for you, who can be against you, right? And if you'll walk and step out by faith, God will get you where you need to go. So Abraham brought faith to the table. Then there's this guy named Moses. How many of you remember him? Moses was interested in mentoring men. He worked with men and he helped them to become the leaders that God wanted them to be. Now, there were a lot of other things that Moses did. We know that he brought God's people out of bondage and led them into the promised land. But one of the things that he did as well was he looked around and he saw men that had a call on their life and had the Spirit of God in them and upon them, and he helped to mentor them into the men that God wanted them to be. And it's one of the things that we know about Moses is that he mentored men. And you know, you guys, you need to look around your life, and you need to see what kind of guys are in your neighborhood that attend in your church, that you can mentor and help become the man that God has called them to be. Now, I'm talking about the relationship here between Moses and Joshua. You remember Joshua, don't you? We'll, we'll talk about him a little more in just a moment. But Joshua and Caleb were both men who believed what God said. They were part of the 12 spies that were sent in to spy out the promised land. And you remember the story about how that 10 of those spies came back and they said it's absolutely impossible for us to take that land. There are giants in the land and it's just not possible. Never mind the fact that God had already said, I'm going to give you that land. That land is yours. That is your promise. That is your inheritance. I will go before you and I will prepare the way and I will make everything possible that I have said that I'm going to do. And yet these 10 guys said to Moses, there's no way in the world that we can make this happen. You ever known anybody like that? It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what the promises of God say. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. They're always saying it just can't be done. It's just not possible. Wouldn't you just like to slap somebody like that? Nobody wants this. Nobody's in a slapping mood today. 
Everybody's in a laughing mood, but no slapping. Listen, there are some people that you just need to get their attention, I think, by slapping them real good and waking them up to the reality by saying to them, if God said it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. And Moses knew that there were two guys that had that nature in them. It was Joshua and it was Caleb. And those two guys came to Moses and said, don't listen to those ten. Don't listen to those doubting Dans because they're not seeing what we're seeing. They're seeing in the flesh, but we're seeing something in the spirit that they're not seeing because we believe that if God made the promise, then all we have to do is go and retrieve it because God will not fail us. We are more than able to accomplish this. Let's go and do it right now. And yet, they had to wait for 40 years to get to the place of deliverance. But in that period of time, Moses mentored those two guys. And if you look at their lives, at the end of the relationship with Moses, they did exploits for God. Because they saw in Moses what was possible in their own lives. And when it came time for the leadership transition to take place, old Caleb, 80 years old, he came in and he said, Listen, I want right now what God promised me all those years ago. I'm ready to take it. I was ready to take it then, but I'm more than ready to take it now. Moses had somehow prevented him to slide into a lifestyle of doubt, but he kept fanning the flame of faith in him so that when it was his turn, Caleb said, give me this mountain. I am ready now to go and take what is rightfully mine. And then God spoke to Joshua. And God said to Joshua, he said, I'm going to give you the courage to march in there and take everything that I have promised is already yours. Moses mentored those two men to become great men of faith. Fathers, have you ever looked at your kids and your grandkids and you saw something in them that was deeply spiritual? Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to take it wrong, and I don't want you to feel like that I'm upset because I'm not. I'm just going to speak the truth to you. I'm, I'm thankful for athletics. When I was a kid, I played basketball. I played Little League baseball. I was a catcher, if you can believe that. I remember swallowing a, a, a chaw of tobacco one time when I was, I, my mom and dad didn't know it was in my mouth. And I was back behind the plate, and uh, I had that, 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 tobacco in my mouth and a foul ball hit me right in the belly and when it hit me in the belly I went <laughs> like that and when I did down went the tobacco I turned every shade of green that you can imagine vomited right there on the thing my dad just standing on the sideline saying it serves you right serves you right that's the way I was raised but I played basketball I played all that stuff. I was in the band. I did all that stuff. Never missed church. And it wasn't just because my dad was the pastor, but back in the day, church was more important than athletics. And there was never a question if it came between having to choose one or choose the other. Now, here's what I'm getting at. The most important thing that we as parents should be concerned with as it pertains to our kids is not how they develop their athletic skills. Stephen Furtick said this, so if you get mad at me, blame Stephen, okay? Blame him. He said to his congregation, he said, listen, your kid is not going to go pro. They ain't that good. I have watched them play, and while they're having the time of their life, they are not that good, and they are not going to be pros. So if they're not going to be pros, why wouldn't you rather them be a child of God who is full of the Spirit of God and full of His wisdom and His power? Here's the point that he is trying to make, 
and that I'm trying to make to you today. When you look at your kids, please understand that the most important thing that you can develop in them will be their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because baseball and softball and soccer and all those other things, while they are fun, they are not eternal. But there is one thing that is, and that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. So dads, lead with favor. Let them play ball. Take them out to the ball. Take me out to the ball game. That's all I, that's all I got. Something about peanuts and Cracker Jacks or something like that. Thank you. I knew Carolyn would have it. I knew she would. That's all good stuff. Let them do it. But make sure that they understand that the most important thing in their life is their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will last forever. Somebody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Moses mentored them and Joshua brought courage to the table. Teach your kids how to be courageous. Teach them how to destroy fear in their lives. I, I, I don't think I've ever lived in a time in my life where there seems to be so much fear. I was thinking the other day about the scripture that says, in, in reference to the end days and the last days, it says that in those days there'd be wars and rumors of wars and, and, and those kinds of things and said, men's hearts failing them for fear. What does that mean? It means that in the last days, fear is going to be rampant. I mean, in 2020, everybody I knew was afraid of this thing called COVID. We were afraid because we didn't know what it was. We were afraid because we didn't know how it could affect us. We were concerned about it. But all the time that we were afraid and concerned, we should have been realizing that COVID can't take my life because I'm not leaving this place until God says it's my time. And when it's my time, nothing can keep me here. But until it's my time, nothing can take me from here because I am in the hand of God. We are. We need to teach our kids how to be courageous. Now, I'm not talking about being stupid. I'm not talking about going out and buying them a Lamborghini and telling them that it'll go 180 miles an hour on the Autobahn. Why don't you take it out for a spin and see if it'll happen? Uh, uh, Amber was telling me that it's Bailey's birthday. And I said, is she turning 16? She said, 15. I said, oh, thank God. Because they can get their license when they're 16, right? You know what I'm saying? And so that, that, at least I got another year where I can breathe easy. She gets her license. Boy, I, I, you know, I'm going to wear a seat belt even when I'm walking down the sidewalk. And by the way, happy birthday. <laughs> you know, we need to teach our kids to be courageous. Now, I'm not talking about going down and walking the big four at 2 o'clock in the morning when the gangs are out there. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But here's what I am talking about. I'm talking about when God gives you something that's hard to believe, why not go ahead and believe it? Because if God says it, it's true. It may not seem possible to you. It may seem like it'll be hard work to see it be achieved in your life. But why don't we teach our families that it's okay to trust God in every given situation? It's okay. You're going to be all right because God is on your side. So Joshua, towards the end of his life and his leadership, he made this statement. We know him well for this. He said, I don't know what you're going to do. My suggestion to you is that you serve the Lord God Almighty. He said, but regardless of whether you do or whether you don't, you need to know this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There were a few times that I had to call my kids and say to them, look them right in the eyes and say, we don't live like that. 
What do you mean we don't live like that? We are children of the Most High God. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are saved. We don't act that way. Dads, it's okay to tell your kids we don't go there. We don't do that. We don't dress like that. You need to get a longer skirt and put it on, baby doll, because as long as you're in my house, you're going to abide by my rules, and you're going to live in such a way that when people look at you, they're going to know there's something different about you. We don't dress like the world dresses. <laughs> Everybody's going to say, I don't know what's wrong with Pastor Man. He just absolutely has gone flipped out. No, I'm saying, Dad, it's all right for you to correct your children. It's all right for you to help them understand what is and what is not and what can be and what should not be for the child of God. It's okay. We don't say that word. We don't. You say, well, everybody says it. I don't care. My, my dad used to say, if everybody went, ran and jumped off the cliff, would you go run off and jump off too? How many of you ever heard that classic? As a matter of fact, no, I would not. I would not go run, jump off the cliff just because everybody else is doing it. What am I saying? I'm saying, dads, if you don't take a stand, if you don't, I, I, was, I was in the car with one of my grandchildren the other day, and she had her little phone going, and I heard the song that she was singing, and I said, hold up just a minute. I said, did your mom know? that you're listening to that song. And she just kind of gave me that look. And I said, we need to change the channel. You say, you're not her daddy. No, but I'm her granddaddy. And the last time I'm checked, I outrank everybody in my family. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. It's my car. What I'm saying is, is that we got to be courageous. So I don't want to make my child mad. I don't want to make them angry. Well, make them mad. They'll get over it. And there will come a time when they will appreciate the fact that you were courageous. Then in the New Testament, there's a guy named Joseph. I want to talk about him for a minute. Joseph was the father of Jesus. Sort of. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he didn't provide the seed. But he was the guy that had to help raise Jesus in an earthly way. He showed him the trade of how to be a carpenter. Joseph treated Jesus' mother with respect when it seemed like that Mary had done something that was out of sorts. But when the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and said, this is of God, he listened to the voice of God and he accepted Mary and he treated her with respect and he honored her. And the whole time that he was honoring her and respecting her, he was, a, he was sending a message to God the Father that I will be good to your son as long as he's in my care. You know what Joseph was? He was a stepfather. Now, I say that because there are a lot of guys in our church that you are fathering children that are not your own. They're not from your seed. You inherited the child. God trusted you with the opportunity to lead in such a way that they would allow you to be their father in a positive way. So what I'm saying to you today, whether you're a male or a female, and you're parenting someone else's child, my hat is off to you. God bless you. We need more people like you who will stand up and say, just because they may not have come out of my loins, they are part of my family and I'm going to love them just the way that they should be loved. That's one of the things that I like about my son-in-law, Justin. 
There are a lot of things that I like about my son-in-law, Justin. In fact, there are very few things that I don't like about my son-in-law, Justin. Can I just go on record to saying that? Can I just say it this way? I like my son-in-law, Justin. In fact, I love my son-in-law, Justin. I'm not sure I can take that any further than that. I probably need to leave it right there. But you know, one of the things that inspires me about him is that he fulfills that role for one of my grandchildren. And I can't tell the difference in the way that he loves and ministers and treats. And listen, there are times that God asks us to do things that aren't according to the regular way of it happening. Do you know what I'm saying today? But that doesn't mean that God can't and won't use you. Because He will. We have mothers that are in the same boat that you are mothering children. And some of them don't even belong to you, but you're loving them and you're inspiring them and you are encouraging them to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And so this guy, Joseph, he was faithful to what God had asked him to do. And I have one final father that I want to talk about and then I'm going to quit. Abraham was known for his faith. Moses was known for inspiring other men and helping them become everything that they could be. Joshua was a man of courage. Man, if you tell Joshua it can be done, Joshua says, stand back out of the way because I'm about to get her done with the Lord's help. Joseph was one of those unusual fathers who was tasked with being the father to someone that did not come from his seed. But he was faithful to it. But there's one other father that I need to remind you of. And he is Abba Father. He is God our Father. Come help me quit, Justin, if you will. Now when you talk about God the Father, there's really only one way to describe him adequately. And that is he is the God of love. Love doesn't just originate from Him. The Bible tells us that He is love. His very nature is love. He doesn't do love as much as He is love. And I'm here to announce to you dads today that we can be like that. Now I realize that our actions of love sometimes have to start with something that we do or something that we say. We have to start in the flesh what God wants us to do in the Spirit. When I laid eyes on my wife, when she was just a friend, I decided I wanted to marry her. I could pray about it all day long. But eventually, I had to let her know that I had plans that included her. I'll never forget the first time I kissed her. It was, it was wonderful. For me, I looked at her and I said, I wonder what it would be like to kiss you. She looked at me and she said, well, you ain't never going to find out. <laughs> and I looked back at her and I grabbed her up in her, my arms and I laid one of the best ones I could ever lay on anybody on her. And I thought, if that doesn't impress her, nothing will. And when I let go of her, she pushed me away and wiped my kiss off. And she said, Gross! She said, that was like kissing my brother. Because we've been friends for a long time. I said, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. 
we got married. A little bit into the marriage, we were on vacation. She wasn't feeling real good in the mornings. She's sick a little bit and what have you, and we're on vacation. We're supposed to be enjoying stuff, and she's not having a big time. We get home, she said, I don't know. I'm just not feeling very good. So she goes to the doctor, I guess. I don't know how women do these kinds of things. She came to me one day and she said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She said, I'm pregnant. She was pregnant during the whole vacation. And we didn't even know it. And I thought, how did this happen? I knew how it happened. (laughs) And I wasn't a little bit surprised. Do you know, nine months later, she had Jonathan, and Jonathan had a hard delivery, and uh, the, 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 the rope, the cowboy rope was around his neck, and every time, she'd, every time she'd have a contraction, it would choke him, and he almost didn't make it out of there. Doctors cussing like crazy. I mean, it, it's, I'm just, I don't even know how to pray while somebody's cussing simultaneously. And there it was. They finally got him out, and they handed me this little thing, and his head was shaped like a football. I mean, it was. Every time she'd push, his head would go squish. The football coming out. The doctor hands Jonathan to me, and he said, <laughs> he said, here's your son. I said, he ain't done. Can you put him back in? I said, he needs to be cooked some more. I'm not sure about this. He said, no, he's your son. He said, don't call him Luigi. He said, whatever you do, that was his name. He said, don't name him Luigi. I said, you don't have to worry about that. A little over four years later, God blessed us with Aaron, and we were pastoring our first church. And I mean, it was so, so the opposite of Jonathan, just so the opposite. I mean, it was just so hectic and chaotic in his birth. And, and one night, a Sunday night, we had Sunday night church. How many of you remember that? Donna's up there. She's on the piano, and she's playing, and she's scooting back and forth on that piano bench, and she just powering the blood. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Come up here and get slayed out in the Spirit. Let's have a good time. I mean, and, and when church was over, she said, I need to go to the hospital. I thought, well, I wonder if she sprained her her thumb from playing so hard. You know what? She said, I'm having contractions and I need to hurry up and get there. And so we we went to the hospital and we were the only ones in the hospital. There was nobody else there but just us and the doctor. And her her birth was so peaceful. I mean it was just like there were no there was no noise. I mean, not even Donna was screaming. Just quiet. Peaceful. And all of a sudden, the doctor said, here she is, a beautiful little angel. And I thought, I don't want an angel. I want a baby. We work hard for this. Let's have a baby. And he handed me Aaron. She's just so soft and just coo, coo. Stick my little finger in her mouth. It was just so sweet and so so beautiful. I don't know what in the world happened to you, baby, but I just <laughs> I'm only kidding. She's my sweet one. They're both. God's blessed me. God's blessed me. But let me tell you something, dads. Your kids won't ever get where God needs them to be unless you help deliver them to that place by using your call to be a father. Love them. Love them when they don't deserve it. Love them anyway. So I don't know if God would do that or not. Yeah, He loved me. The Scripture says, when I was unlovable, while I was yet a sinner, God loved me. 
tell you something, sometimes your kids will get off track. Sometimes they'll get into some stuff that they really don't need to be into. And you'll want to grab them up and let them know who's boss. But you know what they need in that moment more than anything? They need to know that dad loves me. Love. Don't you love your family? Don't you love your dad? Don't you love the men in your life that have... They've decided I'm not going to be some sissy man. I'm not going to dress up like a woman and, 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 and make society happy. I'm going to be a God's man. I'm going to be a man's man. I'm going to let the Spirit of God flow in me and through me. Fathers. We stand with me this morning. You going to sing that song again for me? Is that what you're going to do? I want them to sing this song. I've had this song on my heart all week long. I love the message of this song. And I want you to come, if your family is here today, I want you to come and get close to your family. And you're going to have to give Kathy some room because she got a lot of people, so she needs more floor space than anybody else. She brought a bunch of them today. But if your family's here with you today, I want you to come with them and just get in a huddle, if you will. We're going to pray one for another in this moment. While they're coming, go ahead and sing for us, if you will. You some of you here today that your family is not with you today. But you're our family. So I want you to adopt yourself into somebody else's family and I want you to just come or if you need to stay back there for physical reasons or whatever just find you a family and come up and get with them. <clears throat> because we're all family. We're all family. Isn't that true? It's one of the great things about our church. We're all family. Sing it again, will you? You are the love of my life. You are the hope that I cling to. You be more than this world.
take your family members close to you. I don't want you to pray for one another. It doesn't matter who leaves. I just want you to pray for one another. You know the needs of your family more than anybody. You're aware of what they may be facing or going through. and You are able to pray for them with wisdom and with knowledge. So I just want you to take a couple of minutes right now and just pray over them, if you will. Will you do it? Let's do it right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these lovely families that are in this house today. I thank you. You you have given your love. You love the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever family now. Pray with me if you will. Father, I thank you for every family that is represented in this house today. And even those who may be standing here single without family around them, they came from a family. They're a part of somebody's family. And if nothing else, they're part of our family, the family here that you have assembled at Spirit Life Church. I thank you for every one of them. They're special. They mean so much to me. They're valuable. Lord God, I know that there are men and women who stand before me today that struggle with deep hurt in their lives because someone treated them inappropriately. It may have been a father figure. It may have been a stepfather. It may have been a mother or a stepmother. It may have been someone else in the family that treated them inappropriately, and they carry the pain of that. Lord, I pray that you would absolve them of that pain today. That you would allow them to feel the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because you have not called us to carry pain. You didn't create us to be pain bearers. You have called us and created us to be free individuals in you. And you declared over us that whom I set free is free indeed. So I declare this morning over this congregation that every hurt, every pain that has been carried, and many of them have been carrying it for many, many years, I declare it to be free and over now in Jesus' name. And it will be replaced by peace, and it will be replaced by joy. The enemy has no right in our life He has no right to keep pain on us when you have paid the price for us to be free. And so today, Lord God, in Jesus' name, I believe that these individuals standing before me today are going to experience a new kind of relationship with you, Father God. 
They may have never had an earthly father to love them. In fact, they could not have an earthly father who could love them like you do. They may have had an earthly father that was not around, chose not to be in their lives, treated them poorly, disappeared when they were needed. But God, you will never do that to them. You will always love them. You love them right now more than they've ever been loved in their lives. And Lord, the promise of God is this. They will never be alone. They will never have to be without a father because you are our heavenly father and you're always with us. And so Lord, now I realize, I recognize that sometimes it takes a few minutes for pain to heal, for pain to go away. It can come instantaneously, but more likely it will come as they process memories, as they answer questions from their past, as they deal with what may have happened in their life so many years ago. But Lord, help them to understand that as they approach this healing process, that it will eventually heal. It will eventually remove itself. It will eventually no longer be considered or even thought of. Because you, Lord God, are going to give them new memories. You're going to give them new blessings. You're going to give them a new life unlike anything they've ever experienced before. And as this new life begins to unfold in their spirit and in their soul, they won't even be able to remember the pain of yesteryear because they will be so full of the joy of today. I declare it to be so in your name. It will happen. Lord, I, I know that men and women process information differently. Lord, it's hard for a man to forgive a father. It's hard for a male to be at odds with another male and then to have to forgive and forget and move on. And Lord, I just feel like in my, in my mind's eye and in the spirit today that there are some men in this house today that they experienced things that they never dreamed possible. Abuses that they never thought could happen. And it has affected them and infected them. But Lord, I believe what you're saying today is that you're going to set them free from that pain that they've carried. <laughs> the memories that occasionally come up in their mind they're going to become dull to the point that they can't be remembered any longer. And there will come a moment and a time in their life where they will realize that, you know, I haven't even thought about that in such a long time. And they will realize that they have been healed by the power of God. Lord God, I know that sometimes we talk about healing in our physical bodies of disease and sickness. But Lord, there are times that our soul needs to be delivered. Our soul needs to be healed. Our soul needs to let go of the pain of what happened. And so Lord, I pray that today in Jesus' name that the soul healing will begin. In Jesus' name. And finally, Lord, I want to pray for men who may be in this house today 
who have been the source of pain to their family. They weren't there when they needed to be there. They weren't easy to live with. There are women in this house today that have or had husbands who made their life absolutely miserable. And Lord, those are deep things. And they find a deep root in the soul. But just because they are deeply rooted in the soul does not mean that that root can't be torn out and a fresh plant of joy can be deposited in that soul. So Lord, I pray for those men that they will commit to you today and every day that I will not be the source of pain for my family, for my wife, for my children, for anyone around me. I refuse to live like that any longer. I will not yell. I will not scream. I will not curse them. I will not, I will not tear them down. I will not make fun of them in a way that destroys their sense of identity. I refuse to be that man ever again. And with the help of God Almighty, I've made up my mind. I'm going to be more like Jesus than I've ever been before. I need your help, Lord, but I believe you'll give it. And I receive it in Jesus' name. And then I pray for all of those who have been hurt, that the soul healing will take root, take place in their lives. Lord, these tears that I'm seeing... They tell me that I'm on the right track with this. You're on the right track with this. Just because we're a church doesn't mean we don't have difficult things in our lives. Doesn't mean that we haven't committed things, sometimes atrocities against others that should have never been done. And we feel sorrow because we acted that way and we talked that way and we did those things. But Lord, please help us to understand that if we were to repent of those things, there is forgiveness. And today can start a new journey for our lives and our families. And I pray that you'll do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.